Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Craig, and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories. Today I meet a broadcast and football journalism legend, Tim Vickery. In our chat, I find out how the youthful gamble he took to move to Brazil paid off, the challenges of working in two languages, and his current thoughts on the future of Lionel Messi. During the show, I asked Tim to pick out three of his favourite football shirts and tell us a little bit about what they mean to him. We talk about the World Cup in Argentina 1978, the classic Hummel Spurs shirt, and the Barcelona Dream Team combo from the Champions League in 1992. You can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do subscribe, share, and above all, enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm joined by a football broadcasting legend. It's Mr. Tim Vickery. How are you doing, Tim? Um, I'm very well. I'm very well. Uh, Well aware that lockdown has treated me much better than the majority of humanity. I've got a lovely flat with fantastic views. I've got a park nearby where I can go for my walks. I've got a cafe with open air tables. And that's really been my life now for 11 months. You know, it hasn't really strayed from that. Well, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to do that thing where a lot of people, when they, when they speak to you on various different outlets that you work with, um, they ask you, oh, what's the weather like in Rio, Tim? It's, obviously, it's hot, right? So, Yeah, it's, it's disappointing, actually. It's about maybe 28, 29, which, frankly, frankly, for high summer, uh, we could be doing a lot better. <laughs> but I never seem to get any sympathy when I make these points. No. So I guess like, that's kind of a world away from where you grew up, right? Yeah, which was Hemel Hempstead, which, well, there were sunny days. There were sunny days. I remember the long, hot summer of 76. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember them all, actually. The 75 was good. 76 was a stonker. There were some bad ones after that. But 83 and 84, they were were wonderful. 89 and 90 were great. 94 was great. And since then, I've been living endless summer over here. Really? So you don't miss it then? It's kind of uh, Brazil is home for you. Well, I do miss it, actually. In fact, the, the, the one thing I've, I'm suffering with in lockdown is the inability to get back. Um, it's been, what, a year and a half now. Uh, and that's something that I really, really miss. I miss, you know, I've got my mum still living there. I miss my mates over there. And I just miss just kind of wandering around London. Um, I, 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 do, I do miss it. Uh, and no, home is still back there, really. Really, and here it is, yeah, and I can't. It, it, it's it's a it's a de- decision that I'm going to have to make at some point. Um, but because I'm married, you know, over here, 
where I'm going to be later on. But no, I think for the next 10 years or so, hopefully it's kind of head down, heads down, no nonsense, mindless boogie. Let's, let's keep on working. Um, and uh, well, after that, we'll see. But I would like to spend more time back there. Right. How did you end up in, in Brazil in the first place? Um, I'd always wanted, I think I've wanted the experience of living abroad. Um, my old man, he got to 84 without ever getting further than a, than a weekend in Dublin. That was, oh, wow. That, yeah, that's what it was then. It really is. It's what it was. You know, I've just been talking to, to my brother and, you know, the first time that we went abroad, we were born, I was born 65, he was born 66. We were well into our twenties. Right. Uh, but I, football had always globalized me. You know, I, I was one of those kids who I could spell Czechoslovakia at a very early age, a sad, sadly redundant skill these days. But, you know, they got to two World Cup finals. You know, how can you not know how to spell Czechoslovakia? So football had always, it, it had made me aware that there was a big wide world out there that would be nice to, to explore one of these days. Um, I kind of wanted the experience of, of living abroad. Uh, I was 29 and I think that was the right age to move over. Uh, it was the right age for me. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of old enough to deal with it. And there was a lot to deal with, more than I bargained for. But also you're young enough that if it, if it fails, you've still got time to go back and start start something else. Uh, and uh, it was really, it was a little bit by chance. I mean, I worked, I had a glorious time in my life, which maybe we'll get into in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, working in the West End, working in the West End of London. Um, I worked in a theatre, bizarrely enough, for someone who has no, next to no interest, very little interest in it. Um, but it just it's just where, where I ended up. And uh, it's such a cosmopolitan part of town. And the bar downstairs in the theatre was like full of Brazilians. Uh, and I got, I got curious and I wanted to learn more. And uh, I could see that there may be, there might be opportunities. It was one of those crazy naive schemes that you have, you know, when, when you're that age. Yeah, do it. Every, everything will, 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 will work out. Um, but I'm very glad that, that, that I did it. Uh, it was, um, it's in, in, in many ways, it's, it's, it's been the making of me. So it was, it was chance really. There's never, there's never, ever been a plan. Never. Right. Uh, never. Um, but yeah, you know, I've just done what, what I thought felt right. And it felt right to, to go to Brazil and it still feels right. Despite everything, it still feels right to be here. Yeah. Do you, were you already working in football when you, when you left? Or? No, no, I'd, I'd, I'd left college in 87. And uh, together with a, with a group of mates, we set up a, well, it was on the Enterprise Allowance Scheme. I don't know if they have that anymore. We set up a magazine. Uh, right. it, was a com- it was a comedy magazine, but there, were, there was some sport in it. We were, in the, in the way that, I don't know if you, if you know Viz, Viz um, took the piss out of comics. We were trying to take the piss out of tabloids, really. Right. Um, that, that was our thing. And it, it was small scale publishing is uh, the odds are a dead set against you. Uh, and we went bust fairly quickly, and I realised that it wasn't something that I was good at or, or, want, or wanted to do. Uh, but I was trying, and, I, and uh, there was there was a day. It was when I was at the theatre when it was a Sunday when I just had to be there, had nothing to do. But it was a, it was just after Graham Taylor had been appointed England manager after the okay. 1990 World Cup, uh, and uh, I wasn't a fan. Uh, uh, and it just it broke my heart. I love that side, and it broke my heart that it was put in front. It, it was being put in charge of this bloke who wasn't up to the job. Right. Um, so I remember buying all the Sundays because I was at the theatre. No, I just had to be there to take a delivery or something, you know. So I read all the Sundays and the vast majority, one or two exceptions, like dear old Brian Glanville, yep. the vast majority 
were saying, yes, he's the right man for the job. Uh, and I just remember thinking, I forgive these people, oh Lord, they know not what they write. I've got to get into this game. One way or another, I've got to get into this game. If, right. if honestly, these chief football writers think that this man is qualified for this job, there is something wrong. Uh, and uh, in, in the, the arrogance of youth, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on, on my horse and charge and, and, and put that right. And how do you do it? I mean, I don't know anyone, a council estate kid from Hemel Hempstead, for Christ's sake. You know, how do, how do you get into it? How do you do it? It's got, to, it's got to be through some kind of route where I've got something to sell that other people haven't. And that ended up being, being Brazil and South America. Right. Fantastic. So, Tim, I think I first came across you well, a long time ago when I was a young man. And unfortunately, that description doesn't really fit me anymore. But it's uh, working on the World Football Phone-In, which is still going on BBC that you do with Dotson Adebayo. Um, it's got a real kind of cult following, right? How long have you been doing that? Well, it started um, at the end of 97 as a, as a, a five or ten minute slot. Yeah. It wasn't a phone-in, five or ten minute slot. Uh, and uh, I honestly didn't know that it was like a block. I thought it was a one-off. All right, yeah, we're going to do it on this day. And then, and then the next, it was Sunday when we first started, Sunday nights. And then the next week they phoned back and said, you ready for it again? Oh, we're doing it again. <laughs> Thanks very much. And, and here we are, here we are 23 years later. Wow. Um, and then it, it got changed in 2003. It became phoning. It became interactive. So it, it already grown to about 15, 20 minutes, you know, yeah. because people were liking it. It, it, was, it was getting a reaction. But I remember them saying, you know, we're going to make it a phoning. What do you think? And I said, no, no way. There's no, there's, there, there is no way that it's going to work as a phoning. Yeah. And here we are 18 years later, it's still working as a, as a phoning. Um, it's, it, it's a great thing to do. Um, the, it, it varies. You know, sometimes it's better than others. It is dependent on, on callers and chemistry and, and stuff but yeah. if that's the one thing that you're gonna you're gonna be, remember me for then i'm very very happy to happy to be remembered for it because it's that what, what i what, the way that i see it is like it's a group of mates at a table having a chat yeah and uh but it's inclusive come and join us come and sit with us and have a chat with us uh, and uh it for, for me it fulfills the great thing about football which is it's a way of making friends and forging friends across international boundaries and how we need that these days. Sure. So um, it, it's, it's something that, and I, I love the emotional range. I love the fact that we can be as serious as a, as a, as a BBC world service documentary and just absolutely frivolous and infantile and stupid <laughs> within the same five minutes. I love that, that, that emotional range. So uh, it, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be part of. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever listened to it live because it has such a strange time slot. But I've always engaged with the podcast and always listened to that. And now you guys, of course, have spun it off into your own podcast with Dotson as well, the Brazilian Shirt Name podcast. Yeah, which is great fun to do. And what we do with that is uh, we pick a football game from the past. Uh, and uh, we talk about the game, but we also talk about the context, especially what was happening musically at the time. It's a way of putting football in, in context. And it's a way for me to talk about something other than football, which is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, because uh, um, you can spend too much time and all of us who make a living from it, we are tempted to spend too much time. Uh, but also if, if you're not putting it in context, it's just a few guys kicking a, kicking a, kicking a ball around, you know, the, yeah. the, the context is, is always everything. So that, that shirt, uh, that, that podcast, Brazilian, um, Brazilian shirt name, it comes out, I think it's like midnight Wednesday to Thursday. We usually record on a, on a Wednesday, very sometimes, but you know, it's, it's one a week that we've been doing. 
and and we love doing it because it's a it's a chance to talk about football it's a chance to talk about music clothes politics anything anything that, that that's going on at the time and it's a chance to dot and to talk about all his uh, all, all the loves of his past as well which he seems to enjoy doing <laughs> and, and believe me i think there are lots of them there's more to come perhaps yeah. um, do you know i think i think one thing that sets you apart tim and one thing that i really like about what you do is that you're always more than kind of capable about talking about football in that wider context that you that you mentioned and i think as well like you're quite um you're quite brave to kind of share your opinions as well like i've heard you on a few different kind of outlets talking about um what it's like living under bolsonaro in brazil and stuff what i wanted to ask is do you ever think because you're quite forthright in your opinions, do you think it's ever um, stopped you getting work with certain broadcasters or people? Well, it cost me my column with the BBC. That's BBC wow. Brazil. Yeah, BBC Brazil. Um, and they said it was for financial reasons, but that, that was... Right. That, that was a lie. I mean, I've, I haven't got that many complaints with them. They treated me very, very well. It was a column I did in Portuguese. It was, so this wasn't a sports column. This was more of a cultural column. Okay. But I understand their fears because BBC Brazil is foreign-owned media directed yeah. to a brazilian audience and and uh, that puts it legally on quite dodgy grounds you know on people you know people moan about russia tv or what it's ever called in, in in the uk you know this is the same kind of thing so uh they were very when it when it became clear that bolsonaro was going to win they started censoring some of the columns and then then they got rid of me um so there and apart from that no really because i think sport in, in the way that a lot of things are organised, it's just in a in its own little bubble, you know. And most people in the in the sport world, I don't think they really know what or care what I think about anything, you know. Right. Apart from apart from is is Moses Caicedo going to do well at Brighton? <laughs> well, I guess it depends who you're talking to, right? I I do wonder, like you obviously do a lot of freelance work for different types of outlets, like audio, mm. kind of written stuff, like in different countries too. Do you have to change your style for your audience in different countries? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think that this is a this is a part of journalism. You have to know who you're trying to talk to. I think I think that's that's really important. Um, to 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 that has to. I mean, uh, the first things I ever did was BBC World Service, right. and then you know I never got any training or anything like that. But just one thing they said to me: remember, you're talking to people who don't necessarily have English as a as a as a first language. Okay. So if you're doing it for the BBC World Service, let's just slow down a little bit. Let's iron out any accents as far as you can. And let's go easy on slang. And, you know, let, let's try and communicate with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that, was, that was a great piece of information to start with because I think you kind of apply that to wherever you're going. I mean, the Brazilian shirt name thing, we're going to F and blind all over the place because it's our space and we're, we're, we're allowed to do it. That's a big uh, surprise for me to hear you drop the F-bomb all the time. Not all the time, but at yeah, all. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I'm getting angrier. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's true. I'm just getting angrier with, with, the, with the, the, the state of the world. So that, that, that you know, that, that kind of comes out. I'm going to have to control that for the, for the benefit of my own mental health, I think. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and obviously working in, in two languages, you know, I do... Every week I do a, a two and a half hour show on, on Brazilian TV. Oh, right. And that, yeah, and that's tough. You know, it's uh, two and a half hours of a morning and I'm not a great morning person in right. a second language. And it's a big audience show. So you know what you there are things that you say there that are going to have repercussions. And is that um, Brazilian football? Yeah, South American. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it always pisses me off when people say, oh, you know, talk about English football. No, I'm fucking not. No, I'm, no that always pisses me off. No, I'm there because, uh, rightly or wrongly, they consider me uh, worthy of speaking about their football. Right. Uh, and that, that, that's one of the things I'm very proud of as well, because I've been doing that now for, for, for more than 10 years. And I'm taken ludicrously seriously. I'm taken more seriously here than I am in England. And uh, I'm taken more seriously, honestly, I'm taken more seriously than I should be. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, but to have achieved that in a second language, that's that's something I'm proud of as well. And that, that, that that's, you know, I, I did it for a long time for free because of for bureaucratic reasons. Until I got, I got married, I couldn't get paid. Right. Um, but I was happy to do it for free because it always gave me. A, well, firstly, it's a great learning experience. You imagine, you know, you're doing a TV show. It's a presenter. It's you and Carlos Alberto, the captain of the 1970 oh, wow. World Cup side. That's that's what that, that that's where you're playing, you know. Yeah. That's you're playing with the first team. You imagine that. Wow. So that's that, that's it's fabulous experience, and it means that you know when when the wheel of fortune spun my way, saying the 2014 World Cup, mm. and I was on English TV all the time, you know, and people who didn't know that I do Brazilian TV, well, well you know, who, who's this fella? And you know, sitting in a TV studio with English players. Yeah, I've done this in Portuguese with Carlos Alberto. You know, there ain't nothing to fear here, pal. You know, I've done all this. I've done it harder. So uh, great, great experience. Nice, nice. So, Tim, I was really, really happy that the BBC secured rights to the Copa Libertadores, the latter stages, um, just yeah. finished. Um, but I did think that they kind of, they didn't make enough of it, in my opinion. They didn't, you know, it yeah. wasn't easy to watch. You know, I had to find it on the red button and stuff like that. Why do you think that is? And do you think that Conor Ball needs to do a bit more to market itself to European audiences? Well, it's great for Comedy Ball that it is selling it. You right. know, and this, this, this has never happened before, um, that they screened the final uh, at the end of 2019. Yep. They did the final. Um, they've only just moved to a one-off final at a neutral ground. It used to be finals at home and away. Yeah. In the wee small hours in the morning. So um, the fact that they're now selling it, to, to, to Europe is, uh, well, they're absolutely delighted with it. Right. This year, this time, there was less interest because um, the winners of the Champions League weren't Liverpool. You know, that, that, was, that was part of the interest in 2019. Whoever won that was likely to face Liverpool in the Club World Cup straight afterwards, which the BBC also have. This right. year, the BBC did have the Club World Cup, um, but... It was Bayern Munich, not an English team, and so there, there wasn't there wasn't quite the interest. But I certainly think they they could have done more. And for some reason, and since I mean, the the BBC Sport website sacked me just after the 2014 World Cup, it's the one sacking that I'm bitter about. It's the one, yeah, it's the one because uh, you know my, my Twitter following has just gone through the roof, right? Uh, and uh, because of I've been on TV all the time, you know, during the World Cup, and I've done a column for them for them for 14 years. Yeah. They'd done market research that had said that people wanted more of me. Uh, and it wasn't just to get me. <laughs> the world doesn't revolve around me. They, they wanted to take the site, I think, in a, in a different direction. I see. Um, but, uh, and, and I was, I think I was indicative of what they didn't want. They wanted to, to move away from, from that. Um, but uh, I think it's a real shame that the BBC website didn't, no, it wasn't knocking at my door saying, you know, can you do articles on it? Because we're showing it on, on, the, on the BBC. Uh, I don't really understand it. Um, I haven't, I live in my own little world. I'm not, I'm not in touch with anyone, um, but uh, I'm big enough to, to think that that was a huge mistake on their part.
Well, look, let's hopefully that changes next year, and especially as fans come back as well, because I, I just think it's an incredible tournament and I love watching it. There's something so, you know, in a world where we've got kind of global football and the Champions League is everywhere, I just think there's something really otherworldly to it, to a European viewer. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, but it does need to be sold. It does, you, you do need to explain who the teams are. You can't just put the games on. Exactly. You've got, you've got, you must give it context. Otherwise, it's, it's, otherwise you're wasting your time, I think. I agree, totally. So, Tim, I've got one more question about um, your career before we talk about the three football shirts you've chosen to speak about today. As a kind of real exponent of the South American game, both in a kind of positive and negative senses, is there anything that you would take from the British game that they don't have that you think would improve what they have? Oh, lots. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, lot, yeah, lots about organisation of, uh, of, of the game. Um, respect towards the referees, although that, that's gone down. Um, uh, respect towards players. I hate the way they turn on their players in Brazil. Um, really? They do it less in, less in Argentina, but they, they, you've got to have a villain. You must have a villain. And, and I hate that. Um, that. That's something that I find deeply depressing. And you might remember, say, the 7-1, the World Cup semi-final. Yeah. They, they all turned on the centre forward. The entire crowd turned on the centre forward, who I would argue is not perhaps the man you want to be turning on when you just lost 7-1, you know, but th th there has to be a villain. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So let's move on, Tim. Let's talk about football shirts. Um, the first kind of general question that I ask uh, everybody on the show, uh, what do football shirts mean to you? I've reached an age, a few, it's been a few years now, that I, I very, very rarely wear them. Right. Um, uh, I've got one on now, actually, um, which is I bought this. Before I moved here in 94, I had a recce in 93. I had, yeah. uh, spent three months wandering around. And uh, I bought, this is, this is a Brazil, it's a, the blue Brazil shirt. Yeah. from from that age that era uh, i really lo love i love the collar yes i like collars you know um I, i've had phases when I've, I've just been fascinated with football shirts absolutely fascinated uh i've reached an age where i very very rarely wear them right because you'll find this at how old are you craig uh i'm 34 right yeah i'm 55 so um <laughs> you're, looking you're well. still you're still cool, but there'll come a time when you'll think, you know what? I don't really look my best in the football <laughs> shirt. You know, uh, there's a reason 
that suits are so durable and you, you, you find that out as you get older, you know, because as you get older, there is nothing that makes you look as good as a well-fitting suit. Right. It hides your defects and it just makes you look classy. And, you know, when you're 34, I mean, you can, you can slob around in a, in a, in a, in, in a football shirt and a pair of jeans. And when you get to my age, it, you don't look, it doesn't look as good. Right. So, uh, had football shirts been more available, when I was a kid, I would have had so many. It's where it's where my paper round money would have gone. I think <laughs> a lot of it would have gone on on, on football shirts. Thankfully, I think <laughs> it, like, you couldn't buy them back yeah. then. You know, they, they were they were hard to buy. Uh, so, but I, I, I still I like seeing them in the streets. Uh, I don't like all of the sponsoring stuff that's on them. It it it, it yeah. take it takes something away. Yeah, yeah, oh God, yeah, and people really because for the, for the club World Cup that Palmeiras were playing in, they couldn't have all, they couldn't have the whole whole lot on. Oh right, interesting. Because uh, you know, so they only they only had like the main one, and people were saying, "Wow, doesn't the shirt doesn't it look nice? It's so, so much cleaner, so much more more more, more streamlined." Uh, yeah. So I, I still kind of, even though I, I rarely wear them, there's one or two that I still wear, um, I still see them as kind of magical objects. Yeah very much so I'm the same Tim so talking about a magical object I think you've picked an incredible uh, shirt for your first choice here so we've got the Argentina it's a home shirt by Adidas for the World Cup uh, there in Argentina in 1978 too talk to me about this one there it's it is. yeah there it wow. is no, that, that's the story and I shall tell you the story wow. um, I was I just turned 13 for right. that World Cup and I loved it with a the passion that you only can when you just turned 13 you yeah. know there, there was nothing else in the world apart from the world cup a few months afterwards uh the jam released down in a tube station at midnight and it opened up my mind hang on there are other things in the world apart from football right. and, and so on but <laughs> you know, so you know but the, the 78 world cup you know 74 I, I lived and kicked every ball it's the first one i remember i just turned nine but you know yeah. to be 13 everything i would do school projects about it everything i collected as many of the sabutio teams as, as i could right and i vividly remember the day of the final the final i think was a sunday playing mm-hmm. out in the park uh and on the day and the finals to come later on and feeling sad that you know this is going to be all over cool. I, I haven't thought about anything else for years for ages now and, and it's going to be all over and i remember saying to me mate whoever wins i'm going to buy the shirt Right. Holland or Argentina, I'm going to buy the shirt. It was like a thought that I had of, yeah, you know, it's almost like a funeral. You know, that's the way that I've kind of had some closure to, to the tournament. Yeah. And then obviously I'm desperate for Argentina to win because I've got a love-hate relationship with orange. You know, sometimes it looks all right, but that orange that the Dutch wore was, was horrible, kind of dull yeah. orange, you know, not a good orange. So, you know, I became desperate for Argentina to win. Now, obviously I wasn't going to buy the shirt for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm not sure the paper running paper around money would have would have stretched that far. But also, you just couldn't buy them. You know, they weren't they weren't commercially available. You know, you, you didn't people didn't buy the shirts. It didn't happen. It started happening in the 80s, really, that people right. bought the shirts. But 78, no no chance of buying a 
buying a, and I tried to, to buy a few years earlier, I tried to buy a Brazil shirt because I was obsessed with the 70 World Cup. We were reading about the 70 World Cup. Right. And uh, the, the closest I could come was getting a yellow shirt and just putting a sticker on it, you know, and that, that, that would have to do. Um, you know, the real one, no way. So uh, it's a few years ago now, there's a, the, the sports paper over here. Um, it used to do this thing where it used to, um, you could you could buy at cut down prices like vintage shirts. Yeah. You had to buy you know, the paper for like three weeks or something like and cut out a sticker every day and then wow. put it in your little book. And my stepdaughters were just, they just thought this was hysterical, you know, <laughs> doing this, you know, cutting out my stickers so I could get, I could get a shirt. Uh, they did Brazil 82, which I've got. Nice. And they did Italy 68, which I've got. And I love, it's the one that I still wear because it just looks great. Italy right. 68. It's, yeah, uh, European tournament, that one then. 68. Yeah. Yeah, they, they won it. They, they were at home. And it was the very last one was Argentina 78. Okay, so there it is. So I finally managed to achieve the objective and yeah. get the shirt. But it came just at that moment when, as I was saying, I thought, you know, I don't really look my best in this anymore. With the exception <laughs> of the Italy one, which for some reason, because it's so clean, it, it, it it's... Uh, you know, I, I think I, I look all right in this. So the, the Argentina 78 one, I've hardly ever worn it. Right. It got most use during the last World Cup when I had my own wall chart. Right. Uh, up behind my camera position that I was using, I had shirts of Brazil, Argentina, Peru, and Uruguay. Right. I didn't have Columbia's because I don't have a Columbia shirt. And I'd have them up. I had an England one as well. And uh, I would... Um, every time one of those nations was eliminated from the competition, the shirt was ceremonially taken down. Taken down. Oh, so nice. on my on my my Instagram Instagram, which is just a ludicrous vanity parade, really, there is a there is a photo of me ceremoniously taking down the Argentina seventy eight shirt when uh, when France knock them out of the World Cup. Very nice. So uh, your next choice, Tim, is the Tottenham home shirt by Hummel. It's from the eighty nine to ninety season. How can you pick yes. this? Because I was telling you earlier on, I set up this magazine and uh, we we failed. Um, and then I was just absolutely broke. I was just derelict. You know, I was, I was you know, happened to me when I came over here in Brazil as well, which was more serious. Because <laughs> my mum was just down the road. But, you know, you're too proud to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm just on friend settees and, you know. And uh, purely by chance, I got this job at the theatre. And uh, the f and suddenly, you know, you, you can get paid very much, but cash, money. And the first wage packet I got, one of the things I bought, it had just come out, was this new Tottenham shirt for the new season. Very nice. Which was 89.90. Uh, and I associate it with the gorgeous summer. And uh, um, Chrissy Waddle had just gone, unfortunately. Right. But we just bought, just bought Lineker. Yep. Uh, and we had Gascoigne. And I love that shirt. It's, um, it's very sleek. Mm -hmm. I haven't got it any longer. It's, it, it's very sleek. It's very pure. And that the crest is just where the collar bar meets there. There's a crest there. And I, I really like that detail. And I love that shirt. And it, it symbolizes for me a happy time when firstly, I stopped being derelict. I started having a job and having just a little bit of money to, to get by. But also that team, um, I, I associate that team with the 90 World Cup. Right. 
which it was a terrible World Cup, really, unless you're an England supporter, in which case it was just a, it was a fabulous adventure. It's a wonderful adventure. And it was kind of our team in a way because of, of Chrissy Wad and, and, and Gascoigne and Lineker. And especially kind of Gascoigne because at that time, there was still very little live football on TV, very little. Mm-hmm. So going into the World Cup, lots of people weren't too sure about Gascoigne. Really? Lots of people around the country. Yeah, I remember Kenny Dalgleish, before England's first game, and admittedly Kenny Dalgleish is Scottish, but you know, before the first game, when they're, they're like picking the team, you know, what's the England team going to be for the, the, the first game? And saying, so, you know, Gascoigne and Dalgleish saying, no, oh, I prefer Stevie McMahon in there, you know. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, Maybe that's mind games yeah. from Kenny, you never know. Well, I don't know, but there, there were lots of people who thought that because Gascoigne, he, he was an infuriating figure and he, he had spent a lot of time out injured mm-hmm. but he was an absolute genius and he just hit it he came back kind of a couple two or three months before the end of the season um so this is like march save 1990 yeah i think he'd just been out broke he'd broken a wrist or something like that and like flailing an arm out at a, at a player you know uh, right. and he came back and he was just out of this world he was out of this world. There's one performance I remember towards the end of that season. It was against Man United at home. And we were thinking, you know what? I think we're watching the best player in the world. Yeah. But it was like our little secret. The rest of the country didn't really know, you know, because yeah. you weren't really seeing that much of it on, on TV. In fact, Diego Maradona said after that World Cup, he is my heir as, 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 the, best player in, in, as the best player in the world. Uh, so I associate that, that shirt. I've, I've got so many happy memories of of that shirt of improving my own personal circumstances of a football team that I really liked and it is the team that go through that mad adventure to win the win the FA Cup in 1991. Now they changed shirt for the final. Yeah. For in, in they brought in another shirt which which was nice as well with a kind of big collar. I like collars. Yeah. Um, and uh, but up until then up until the, the game before that it was still this shirt you wore the shirt for two years then. Yes. It was the shirt that they were wearing when they beat the Arsenal 3-1 at Wembley in the in the semi-final. So uh, it, it's a shirt that's got really happy memories for me of a of of, of a of a time when I was getting back on my feet and uh, and at a time when when maybe the England team were getting back on their feet. And I don't think without that World Cup, without the success of that World Cup, I think the Premier League would have been much harder. Do you? Um, is it difficult for you to support Tottenham from the distance? You are. Away from I'm it. a terrible supporter anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always liked the game more than the team. Uh, right. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't like, I have huge respect for, for Jose and everything he's achieved, but he's not us. Right. Uh, and I was moaning about it, you know, on the radio when we were top of the league and we just beat an Arsenal. You know, it, it, it's, <laughs> you know, so this isn't, it's not results based thing. I just don't yeah. think he's, I, I don't like the, the fit. So, um, and it's, it's been, I haven't been back for a year and a half. And the, the last time my wife, she, my wife runs half marathons. So, uh, she was, I, I took her over for a half marathon right. and it was a day after the, or the day before, I can't remember. No, no, it was, it was afterwards. The last Saturday, uh, it would have been my first chance to see the new stadium. Right. But I thought, no, it's her last Saturday. I can't take her to go and see Tottenham versus Watford. I just can't. I can't do it to her. You know, I can't do it to her. So uh, I haven't been there for a while. There was a time when I was going back more frequently, and you know, you go back to the lane, you'd feel the songs and yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 so on. But um, 
at the moment I feel very distant. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a different stadium. It's a different coach. It's a different team. It's a different, different ethos. So I feel, I feel a long way away from it at the moment. Right. Do you have a team that you kind of support in Brazil? No, no. Oh, okay. No, I don't, I don't understand that. I, mean, I have player, individual players, you know, because that, that's the, the best thing about what I do. Yeah. You see individual players on the way up and you think, yeah, I'm going to follow him. But no, I, I, I don't really understand where that sentiment can come from, really. Right. Has there ever been a player out there that you've followed and enjoyed watching and thinking this guy's going to come to Europe and do really big things and for whatever reason it just didn't happen? Oh, God, yeah, loads, loads. Oh. I mean, um, loads, more than I can ever mention. I and mean, often injuries happen. Right. Um, yeah, loads, loads. I mean, so, and also there's the, the distance between promise and reality. It, it, it's it's such a crooked road. There are so many things that, that can go wrong. Yeah. And I was just thinking, well, no, he's a coach now, uh, a fellow from Ecuador called Franklin Salas. And I thought he was going to be, and he was fantastic for, for a couple of years. And then he got injured and he was, he was never, ever anywhere near the same thing ever, ever again. Uh, and that, that happens so often. It's, it's the thing that's always in the, in the back of my mind when people moan at them for being greedy, you know, for asking for too much money. This thing could end next week. You know, yeah, you could break your uh, legs. yeah. Imagine that that if you're a speed player um, and you suffer a little injury and that, that takes away that vital, as happened, we'll say, with, with Andros Townsend, you know, who looked like he at one point he really could be something and he's now just all right, you know, because his game was based on that acceleration. You take a little bit of that away and, and he will never be will never be the same player so it's it's a it's a very insecure way to make a living and one of the nice things about footballers i think is that that they 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 realize this you know because they all know they all know people who were better than them when they were growing up yeah who for whatever reason didn't make it you know whether it was luck or whether it was uh whether it was lack of lack of focus or or or, or something you know so um, that's something that i think humanizes footballers yeah yeah do you know, I think we hold them to such different standards sometimes. You know, somebody yeah. said that they were going to double my wages to do the same job. I'm going to take that job, right? So why shouldn't a footballer do the same thing? Yep. Um, so, Tim, your final choice is the Barcelona. It's the 1992. Is it the home shirt or the away shirt you want to talk about? Or both? Yeah, well, I want to talk about really the, um, the home shirt. You got that one too. Look at this. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Look this is this is a retro one from '79, which is okay. like three years earlier when they won the cup winners in in '79. Right. It's it's a huge moment for me, and I think it's a huge moment for the Premier League as well. Um, Barcelona winning the the European Cup as a Champions League was, yeah, uh, for the first time at Wembley in in '92. Now, uh, I've been to Barcelona. It was the first foreign city I ever saw. Started 1990. Okay. Um, uh, and I, I fell in love with the place. I've never been back since, much to my, much to my own regret. I'd love to. And everything was being prepared for the Olympics then. So uh, I'm told it's much, much better now. But I thought, thought it was great. And, and the people treated me very nicely. They, they kept on saying I look like one of them. I think it's a big nose. And, okay. And, and, so I felt an affinity. And there was affinity with Tottenham anyway. You know, uh, Venables had been there and, and, and Lineker yeah. and, and, and Naeem, who we had. So I, w- I was at that game um, at Wembley uh, in, in 92. Um against Sampdoria and Sampdoria were, were, were the glamour side actually mm. they had uh, Viali and Mancini up front who were a great combination yeah they had they had Cerezo in midfield who was who were truly great um, Brazilian central midfielder and, and Syria are at that time in England was better known really because you know it was on channel four so they were kind of the glamour side uh, and 
London just for a few days, end, end of May, it just turns into the Mediterranean. <laughs> you know, it was it was beautifully hot. And yeah. it was, I, I love, if, if London was like that all the time, I'd, I'd never, ever have left. <laughs> uh, I just had everything that I wanted in, in those few days. And uh, it, was a, it was a great game. It was a really great game, which unfortunately looked like it was going to go nil-nil on penalties. And right. then with the last kick of the game, really, Ronald Koeman scores with a, with a, with a free kick. Of course, yeah. But it was a great game, and it, and it introduced an English TV audience to a more cerebral-type game. Right. But a very entertaining one. And you look at it now, and it kind of sets the template for what the, the best games in the Premier League have become. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you could imagine that being, being a kind of City against Chelsea-type game. That, that. Uh, um, And it's, th- th- there's such joy around that game for me. I, I went to the game with a, with a Barcelona scarf that I bought when I, when I was there a couple of years earlier. Right. Uh, and uh, after the game, I've told this story many times, so please fast forward if, if you've heard it. Um, uh, went back into the West End to a, to a Spanish bar on Old Compton Street right? Um, for a few celebratory, celebratory drinks. And there's this fella there who's out with his girlfriend and I can see that he wants to talk football. Okay. You know, so he's kind of edging my way and he comes up and he says, in kind of halting, he says, I'm really glad you won. <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of nod, playing him along. Yeah, <laughs> and he says, uh, "I support West Ham. <laughs> Have you heard of West Ham?" <laughs> and I say, "Yeah, mate, I'm a Tottenham fan." And he, he he's so surprised he falls on the floor, uh, and uh, people around are laughing, and it just kind of you know it was a great great night. Um, but one of the things that I really remember for that night that I thought was great was Barcelona were they played that game in the change shirt, which was again not a very nice orange. Yes, very garish. Yeah, it was a it, garish. Final whistle, they've won. What do they do to collect the cup? Change. Get it on. Get in. Get into the proper shirts to yeah. go and collect the cup. And I thought that was so classy. Yeah. I thought right. These are the colours that we represent in this greatest moment of the club's history. Yeah. We are gonna. We are gonna. Uh, uh, we are gonna be true to those colours and not go up in this shirt. In this change. In this change shirt because who we are is this. So I thought that was a, that was that was great. That was uh, had they not done that, it for me it would have knocked some of the value off off the moment. It, it, the moment would not have been perfect. As it is, it's absolutely perfect. It's one of those moments I want to I want to inhabit. You know, yeah. when I'm trying to get off to sleep and like dreaming of nice little moments. That was a great moment. That game that night that night was great. Can we have that night again, please? <laughs> Very nice. Okay, it's crazy to think that that's their first European Cup, right? Yeah. How many they've won now? Yes, yes, uh, which tells you the importance of one Lionel Messi to him because, uh, you know, he didn't play in the final against the Arsenal in 2006, you know, but he played during the campaign. Yeah. You know, he, he joins a club that has won Champions League and, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's put them up there with, uh, which makes it sad to see what, what they've become over the last three or four years. Yeah. Do you ever feel that Messi might play in South America? Well, he, he used to talk more about... Newell's old boys, mm. um, where he started in Rosario. That that's becoming with every breath. I think it's that's becoming less likely mm. because uh, if he does move now, I, I would imagine Paris Saint Germain. I think uh, PSG getting Pochettino in yeah. was you know 
basically rolling a red carpet out. So if, if he doesn't stay, I think he'll go to PSG. But now he's talking of a kind of late career adventure, perhaps in the United States, which would make sense. The pressure would be off a little bit. He could enjoy it. You know, it'd be easier for his family, maybe. Yeah. So uh, I think the, the idea of, of going back, Newell's old boys, it, it's one of those things that is, is perhaps a better romantic idea in theory than it would be in practice. Right. Um, so no, but it, it's, it's a high point in my career. 2005, start 2005 in Colombia, South American under 20 championships. Um, Argentina have heard about him. Right. They know that Spain wants him. So they pick him without knowing much about him. Right, okay. I'm giving the number 10 shirt. He's only 17 and he's tiny anyway. So you imagine how much smaller he is yeah. <laughs> than the other players. Uh, and I was there for that. Uh, he played one friendly for Barcelona. So no one really knew anything about him. Yeah. And uh, as soon as he got on the ball, wow. Yeah. Christ, you know, we all knew that we were in the presence of something very, very special. Now, I've been in at the start of lots, but there's nothing for me that matches being in at the start of of Messi. So even if he doesn't play club football in South America, he doesn't come back. I've seen him over here and over here really, in a way, it's where it started. Because yeah. a few months later, uh, he's uh, playing for Argentina in the, the Under-20 World Cup in Holland. They win that one. And after that, he's get, he's starting to get regular games with the... Uh, and, and he plays for Argentina a couple of months, at senior level, a couple yeah. of months after that. So that tournament, kind of February 2005... That was 16 years ago now. That was the start of so much. And I was I was lucky enough to, to be there. Not just luck, because I paid my own airfare and hotels. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it wasn't just luck. It was hard work, but it was great to be there. Yeah, you knew where to go. You knew where to yes. sit. Fantastic. Well, Tim, look, thank you so much for those choices. And thanks so much for talking to me. Um, everybody should listen up for the uh, Brazilian Shirt Name podcast. Is there any other stuff that they should find you on at all? Well, I do the World Football phone-in every week of a yep. Monday night to Tuesday morning, which is also uh, available as a, as a, as a podcast. Um, if you follow my Twitter feed, uh, uh, Tim underscore Vickery, I think that's the one, um, then most of what I write gets posted on there, with the exception really of World Soccer Magazine, because that's a magazine. And World right. Soccer Magazine is one of my first clients from right at the start of 1997. Wow. It's a joy to write for. You know you're writing for people who are really into it. It's a great so, uh, yeah. yeah, that's um, so to, to have been part of that of the story of that magazine for so long is, uh, is something else I'm very proud of. So there you have it. A massive thanks to Tim for sharing his football kit memories with me. You can follow me in my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you follow Tim and check out the Brazilian Shirt Name podcast too. It really is a great listen. And other than that, I guess that's it. Until next time, I'll see you later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.